Hello, welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Ginny. And tonight we're coming live from the East Coast. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm a, a week late live. A week late live, yes. Not even a week, exactly. Weeks late. Yeah, I don't two know. Weeks late. It, it, it might be three weeks before this airs. I'm not really sure. It's sometime in the distant past, <laughs> not so distant past. <laughs> I don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this yep. right now. Okay. We are Talking. both on the East Coast, which yes. is nice. Um, but we're talking about, oh my God, what? The Killer and Me. <laughs> the Killer, thank you. The Killer and, and Me and Salvage. And Salvage. Yeah. So before we get into the episode, Ginny, okay. how are you doing on this fine Wednesday evening? You know, not bad. Nothing really to report. I don't have anything <laughs> exciting. <laughs> Today was fine. I left on time. Work is okay this week. Wedding stuff is happening. I'm excited to take even just a few days off for Thanksgiving. It's so exciting. Yeah. We're almost there when we're recording this. I have um, one more day to go. God, okay. I still have to go in Monday, Tuesday next week, but whatever. What do you do? How are you? Um, I'm good. So, yeah, I'm actually leaving for vacation tomorrow night, which is incredibly exciting. But, you know, we've talked about this before. It's also incredibly stressful because mm-hmm. you've got to line everything up at work, and then I'm already worried about the stuff when I come back. But it is it is what it is. I'm determined to have a good time. It's I'm, I, I do stress out a lot before I go, but I am pretty good about being like, well, I'm not there, so... Oh well, no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not worried about while I'm gone. It's like the right before. Yeah, that right lead up after. stress is really yeah. real. Yeah, and I've just been working on this big project, and like today, it was just like suddenly up in the air of like when it was going to happen, and I was like, you know what? This is not my problem. Mm-hmm. Like, I do not own this. I am going to just walk away. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's uh, kind of nice to um, sometimes just decide not to care. All of my projects are lining up on exactly the same schedule, despite my best efforts and that's all going to crash the week before Christmas break and the week I come back. That's gonna be so I was fun. like, I set the same schedule for so many things where I'm like, okay, give me that file on January 2nd. I made most of them the third to be like, well, the second's not, you know, who's going to get anything done, but I keep trying to kind of stagger them, but it's just like, they all have to be done at the same time. So it's like, it's really, you're, you're screwed one way or the other. It's like, well, I can give you more time, but then I definitely have less time with it or I can, I don't know. So anyway, that's, that's a problem for me next week. <laughs> I'm sorry, next month. <laughs> right now, I don't need to worry about it. Feels like next week. We're going to blink and it's going to be next it week. It does feel like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, as we said, we are talking about a couple episodes that Mm, well, I didn't right hear what you said because I muted you <laughs> for a second, so I don't know what your intro was. Well, I was saying we were talking about um, the killer in me and salvage, mm-hmm. um, and I was gonna ask right off the top of like just general like like quick yay take. or nay on these. <laughs> I mean, pretty nay. Yeah. Well, there was definitely some stuff that I liked about salvage. The killer, oh, sure. the killer in me. I have a feeling this will be one of our very rare, like, quick shorter episode. Buffy ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Buffy discussion. I, I actually <laughs> tried to um, prepare Jenny earlier because yeah. I was like, <laughs> I definitely like the Angel episode better than Buffy, and I will say I watched um, both of these with my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, former guest of the podcast, Claire, and mm-hmm. I did offer her to join in today. She declined, mm-hmm. I think, after watching the uh, yeah, um, <laughs> Didn't want to give us her I'm, opinions about Cordelia smooching <laughs> with demons, I see. Well, so it's so funny we, you say that because we were watching the episodes and like halfway through Buffy, she was just like, this is so boring. <clears throat> it, it really was. Yeah. And I was like, I honestly can't disagree. And then 
and, and then I was like, you don't have to watch Angel. And she was like, I was trying to spare her. And mm-hmm. she was like, no, no, it's fine. I can watch it. And then like, yeah, these horrible things kept happening. And we were just looking at each other like, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not to get too far ahead. So let's talk about no. Buffy, Ginny. And why don't you tell us what went down in this incredibly boring episode of television? Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, this was your pretty standard A-plot, B-plot, C-plot type of episode. The main A-plot being this storyline between Willow and Kennedy. Kennedy, of course, is one of the new potential slayers that's been living in the the, uh, Summer's household. We've seen her sort of flirt with Willow a few times already, um, but nothing's really come of it. But in this episode, the other uh, C-plot, I'll get to that involves the potential slayers going on their little vision quest or whatever they call it with Giles. Kennedy is supposed to go along, but she pretends to be sick so that she can stay behind and hang out with Willow. I am not charmed by this decision. Um, So instead of going on her slayer duties, she and Willow, you know, hit the town and go to the bronze and catch up and see, you know, basically go on a date. And at some point during this date, uh, they kiss and when they do, Willow magically transforms into Warren, physically. She's still Willow. Well, at least at the beginning, she's still herself, but she looks exactly like Warren, which obviously freaks Kennedy out, as it does everybody else who's still in the house, which is Xander, Anya, Dawn, um, and Buffy and Spike for a while. Um, they you know, pretty quickly figure out that it is Willow, and Willow decides that she can figure out how to solve this on her own. So she goes back to her old Wicca group at... You see Sunnydale to see if she can find answers or help there. Not exactly sure, 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 sure. Um, and who's there but Amy? And Amy is there. They talk through... Willow talks through her issues with people, but basically it turns out that Amy cast a spell on Willow to make this happen. And she didn't exactly pick what would happen, but basically whatever you know guilt complex Willow had was somehow magically... Uh, she laid a little trap for her so that it would magically come true. And, you know, long story short, by the end of this, Kennedy realizes that the way to undo this is to kiss Willow again. So she does, and it works. We can get into all of that later. Um, B-plot, which I actually think is more interesting, is this what's going on between Spike and Buffy. Um, you know, Spike and Buffy are kind of getting a break this week from the potentials because they're off with Giles. But... Spike isn't really getting a break at all because his chip has been acting up a lot. They kind of already, you know, should have realized that maybe something was up because he was able to murder people, if not a few episodes ago, of course, with the help of the first. So what exactly does that mean? But suffice it to say, he's getting uh, head splitting pain pretty frequently. It's getting worse and worse, and they're not exactly sure what's up. So Buffy calls her, you know, Riley's fake flower shop to try and get a message to him to see if the initiative can somehow help with the chip. Um, and it turns out that they can. So Buffy and Spike find the old initiative facilities, uh, find a bunch of dead demons or not quite dead demons there as well. Seemingly, it's just been completely shut, cl- sealed off when the initiative left, but they didn't really take care of anything that was left behind. Um, but initiative, you know, task members and doctors do show up. And at the end of the episode, basically one of them tells Buffy, well, Riley said, you can make the decision here on what to do. Either we take repair the chip or we take it out completely, but it is disintegrating and it's going to 
kill Spike if they don't do one of those things. Uh, we don't find out what answer, she, what decision she's made at the end of this episode, though. And then the very, very C plot is that Giles has taken all the Slayers out to have a quest and meet the first Slayer. It is not very interesting, but... Somebody, uh, whoever, you know, a few episodes ago saw Giles about to get beheaded does call the Summer's house and let them know that that happened. So then they start trying to remember if Giles has touched anybody or anyone because maybe he's an agent of the first. And of course he's not. So that's the, that's that whole story. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that story existed so that they wouldn't have to pay the actresses that week. I definitely <laughs> is a thousand percent that. Yeah. So none of them were really in it. They just made mention to them being already in the car and the shenanigans that they were up to a thousand percent. This was to, so that they didn't have to explain them. But I do find the Giles thing interesting because they play it more as like this joke in the end, right? Like they yeah. all show up at the campsite and they tackle Giles, but it really should be kind of an interesting thing to explore. I like, agree. <laughs> You know, maybe the first has been impersonating Giles and maybe they should explore why none of them can remember if they've hugged Giles or if they've touched him or if he's touched anything. And kind of, it's an interesting, in in a better, older Buffy episode, this entire episode would be about that. Mm -hmm. And it would be this metaphor for like the distance that has grown up between them since Giles has moved away. They don't even go anywhere near that. You know why they don't go into that or... I mean, obviously, because they're skipping over all the things that could be interesting in this episode in favor of things that are decidedly not interesting. But aside from that, it's also because they've oddly decided to take Buffy out of that situation as well. You know, it's cl- I, I yeah. don't know why they felt they needed to jam the Spike thing into this story at the same time, but it's weird to me that Buffy doesn't go along on that quest. But to your point, Giles, it, they kind of can't make any d- bigger decisions out of it because the we're kind of left with the like scraps of, you know, it's Andrew, Anya, Xander, and Don, who obviously we have admiration for because they just made all their great strides just a few episodes ago. But like, I don't know, we're kind of left with just like the comedy crew, just like bumbling. I, I don't know. I don't think you're right. It's not a very good representation of any of them. I do feel like they're not quite this silly anymore. And even if they were, you're right that like it would have, they think that story would have been better served having Buffy somehow involved in it. Yeah. Or if they focused longer on this idea of like worrying about Giles. And I also, what I was also struck by was this, and I want to talk about this a little bit in Angel too, is like the show is trying really, really, really hard to convince us of the danger of the first, but like, you know, they're talking about the risk if Giles is out there as a minion of the first with all these girls and like they could be dead, but like it just never really feel feels that urgent. It it never like, feels like a serious because threat. Of the tone, yeah, yeah. It maybe because of the tone and maybe because it happens like you know a half hour into the episode. Yeah, all a little bit like too little of an interesting concept and like just executed really weirdly. Yeah, and yeah, I think because there isn't time to get into it, but then why introduce it at all or why introduce some of these other things? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit. I mean, I definitely, I think you're 100% right that this was an excuse to get the potentials mostly out of the way. I think mostly for budget reasons, but also just so that they can focus on these other characters for a minute without kind of having them skittering around in the background. But it, it just, it feels like that. It feels like you shoehorn this in. It's just a plot plot device so that we don't have to ask that question. But because of that, it comes across pretty weak. When it, there is, I think, yeah, to your, I think there is something interesting there to to go over, but they don't make it that instead. Just a, yeah, and I it's just even, a comedy relief for this episode. Yeah, but I think every single storyline gets that like 
poor treatment to like you know not just this one but i think the buffy and spike one is interesting in that we've never really revisited yeah the initiative or really questioned what had happened to the facilities or anything and it is a little bit strange in this episode to be reminded both of the initiative and of riley Mm -hmm. um who are both a bit out of sight out of mind and to have spike coming back there too it's you know I feel like it could be a bigger moment, but I mean, obviously Spike is a bit incapacitated at the time, but it's all played on this like, you know, mission that they have to go on to like save Spike's brain or something. And I, I almost wonder if like they wasted that opportunity to go back and revisit the initiative a little bit by tying it to this. I definitely think so. (laughs) Why would all of this have to happen there? Right? Like Riley, when he was suffering from, you know, whatever the initiative had done to him, it was like a random phone call to his friend and like that's how they handled it so like why couldn't they handle that like have Graham come back and be like this is what we can do for Spike like why did you have to go underground and do all this stuff I don't know well I do think it was interesting that they went back there and I think no but I just think it's a wasted opportunity to make it have to happen when you can't devote more time to it right yes I definitely agree I mean this should have this could have been that could have been a whole episode and I understand no I don't really understand why they didn't just let that be the main thing I think they really feel like this Willow story needs to happen and we can address that, you know, separately. But I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do think, you know, there is this ongoing question of like, what is Spike's role now that he has a soul now that they've decided to pretty much, they pretty much have given him their tacit approval to like be back in their gang, you know, for a lot of reasons at this point, some shaky reasons in the beginning, but I think that they're more or less on solid ground now. But like, I don't know. I do think that, I think that this is worth exploring. And I I just, uh, Again, it's weird to me that they took this episode to do it because it takes Buffy out of Willow's story, it takes Buffy out of the potential story, and it oddly isolates Buffy and Spike in a way that I don't think it makes sense. You know, maybe they're just trying to pull them apart so that they have more time to, like, grow back together or something, but it didn't feel like that. It just felt... I just kept wondering, like, why aren't they with everyone? I just kept wondering why they weren't... Why everybody wasn't helping with this. No, I absolutely, that was weird. and I... I think something you said that was interesting is like because it's all happening in this like separate way but also they're kind of just it gets such a short shrift and it's like an episode is titled The Killer in Me and I think similar to the Giles thing there's such a depth here that they don't even explore and Mm -hmm. I don't remember if they get to it in the next episode but Spike is suffering from having his soul returned to him and having just killed all of these people (laughs) yeah why wouldn't it be traumatizing for him to have to confront the idea of removing this chip so that he has to confront the actual killer in him because it also might be the case that this chip is a bit of a crutch at this point because Mm -hmm. he's he's having to deal with all of his past actions but he shouldn't have to worry about future actions because he can't harm any people right but that doesn't even seem to be mentioned you know it's a great point because then (laughs) yeah yes i yes i'm glad that you said this because really it does i think that the title is supposed to make us think about spike and then it's like a a little bit of a trick that it it turns out to be Willow's plotline. But I think that, yeah, an an older, better episode of Buffy would have tied these two storylines together, at least thematically, in a way that they are not bothering with. Other than to just be like, well, it's obvious. You know, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I can't, you're right that I can't remember because obviously we didn't get the final decision on what's going to happen with Spike's chip in this episode. So clearly it's going to 
you know, that plot is going to continue into the next episode. So I, I sure hope, and I kind of think that they'll get into it a little bit more, but I definitely think that you're right. Like this, they didn't really give Spike anything to do other than just be an excruciating pain the whole time. But you're totally right that like, he deserved the chance to also air out his concerns to Buffy and to like weigh in on this. Like I'm, I'm fine with everybody deciding, you know, the initiative and Spike both deciding to leave the decision in her hands, but it's still strange to me that she's not going to really like consult with him much. Didn't, right? Or did I miss that because it was so boring that I tuned out? I don't think that that happened. I don't know. I don't think that that happened yet. I think she, like Spike is kind of out of it and she's just consulting with the military guys. But yeah, he, and even when Buffy's trying to contact the initiative, he's just kind of letting her do it. Yeah. you know, which I, is fine, yeah. but I I would think that she also in this new sort of, you know, respect based relationship that they have would want to ask him. Maybe she does that. Maybe she asks him. I don't remember. Yeah, maybe we're premature. Maybe we're premature. Yeah. So maybe we'll table that for the next episode. Suffice it to say, it was a weird thing to sideline. It was weird to keep them separate from everyone. And I agree that that story deserved. That was a more interesting story to me than the other. 80% of this episode. <laughs> I, I think it was a weird choice to kind of introduce it this way. Absolutely. It was, but I, I guess we have to talk about the intentional yeah. part of this episode. Yeah, should we get to the <laughs> elephant in the room? <laughs> Which really did try to make it a heavy metaphorical event that happened, and I'm not quite sure they succeeded. They um, definitely didn't. <laughs> I, 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 like, I, as always, I remain moved by Allison Hannigan yes. like, doing the heavy lifting on a kind of poor you know I, I think the choice to pair her up with Kennedy is part of the problem it too 100% is Kennedy is great for like snarky commentary but I'm not sure she can handle the weight of like Willow's emotional journey here and no to also bring Amy into the picture too just adds so much and it's like we already have Warren why do we also need Amy I don't really understand why and and also Amy casually throws out reference to the potentials and like presumably means about the first and there's no explanation as to like why she knows any of this no and and there's no explanation as to like why she chose this moment to get back at Willow and I yeah I agree I struggle so much with how all of this just kind of got thrown out there with no real explanation or build up and we're and also we haven't even been checking in with willow on the aftermath of tara's death right and also i mean (laughs) i i i also really struggle with this concept of like and i think we talked about this maybe last season but amy continues to be a mystery to me it's like what she's supposed to be like to these characters Mm -hmm. like she went from tragic you know victim in the last season who really was a negative influence on Willow trying to pull her back into this world of magic to now appearing to be a full-on villain. I know. I don't know how they made this turn. I don't know why they decided to include her in this episode. Or again, why did they decide to include her and Kennedy and Willow and have them all in their own separate storyline from everybody else? Like, all of this is so bizarre to me. I, yeah, I, I maybe could have bought the Amy thing if, again, if she had kind of been the if she had been the A-plot to the story. But she doesn't come in until, like, 80% through the episode, and it's like, what? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's supposed to be this big reveal. Right, and I I understand that they're trying to draw out 
first of all, they're trying to set up a new relationship for Willow, which is again, a point that we should separately talk about, but that like, if it was Amy that did it, I don't know. I just, I, I get that they wanted it to, they wanted it to be this thing for Willow where she feels guilty about moving on. And that's the whole genesis of this episode. But I, I think if they wanted to include Amy, it would have been better to just have her and Willow run in, run into each other, you know, either a la like the way that she ran into Andrew earlier or, or Amy comes back and, you know, tries to deceive them or something. I don't know. I'm not saying that I would have really preferred these storylines I think a lot of this is garbage and should have just not been happened at all but like if we're gonna bring Amy into the episode who is this long-standing character for the show who has so much baggage for her and Willow specifically to just tack her on at the end and if I recall correctly she's not in the rest of the show ever again like this is the last time we see Amy in the show right so like why why did we do this it was such a weird it was such a weird decision especially because they also call out what the alternative could have been, which is Willow just misfiring her magic Yes, again. which would have made more sense. I think so. And I think it would have had a better emotional connection. Exactly. She's doing it to herself. Unconsciously. As I an emotional agreed. reaction. Exactly. Agreed. Unconsciously. Then everything they're trying to make this mean actually would have some weight. But because it comes to her from an external like force, and it, this is something that she didn't really cause except by the fact that Amy put a hex on her, mm-hmm. really undercuts this idea that they're trying to sell of Willow having a manifestation of her emotional reaction to kissing Kennedy. Yeah, and I agree. I agree. I just would have loved it to be the other way. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Yeah. So why, why did we do this? And that was the only part that I kind of liked about this. I do like Willow's. It's, it, it, I think it's more than just out. Al- well, it's probably mostly just that I like Allison Hannigan, but I, I guess I, it felt like it also felt to me like this story came out of nowhere. Cause like you said, we haven't been checking in with Willow. They've been shoving Kennedy and her kind of, I think down our throats a bit and it hasn't really caught on for me yet. Like I don't feel a spark between them. I don't feel a connection. I'm fine for Willow to move on, but I do feel like this was a little bit like jump the gun. But that said, this is going to happen to Willow inevitably at some point. And it makes sense to go through it on the show. So admitting that like, I want to go, I want to see Willow grapple with this. Cause I think it's important for her and her, her character. And I care about her. Like I, 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 I don't know. I get, I'm getting a little bit off track, but I just mean to say that I like the idea of Willow feeling guilty and self-inflicting punishment because I think that is very realistic and very true to her, especially post, you know, season six and all of those events and going to the coven and like recovering. I think this is very, this feels very in line with where she is emotionally in general, but I think it's all everything else about it that's not working, which is like, I, you know, as, as with the potentials, Kennedy gets a bad rap and I gotta say, I feel like I'm really trying to be open about it and not just like lean on my own old biases or things that I've read and regurgitated over the years. But like, it is not working for me. I, I really disliked, I really disliked her in this episode. I feel like that was kind of, you, you mentioned this earlier is like, she's not the right person to dissect this with Willow because I kept getting so frustrated when they were in the bronze and talking because she's just so assured that she's right about everything. And meanwhile, I'm like, you don't know anything about Willow's last year. Or if you do, I haven't seen Willow really confide in you much about it. So like that just felt very off to me. It did because I think you're right. The way they structure this of Kennedy tricking Willow into going on a date with her and kind of just presuming that it's going to work doesn't set her up as a very empathetic no, character to what Willow would be going She was through. so manipulative. Yeah, and, and so that, her her own heel turn to being really concerned yeah, and just trying ugh. to help Willow is a bit jarring because it's like, well, it's nice to know you have layers and can actually 
stop and think about someone else, but coming on the heels of that date, it's like you don't really appear to have been prepared to do that. So, And to be clear, I was enjoying Kennedy up until this point. Like, I think the mild flirtation and the, like, yeah, like, she's the snappy, you know, potential, and she's the most confident of them, and she's the oldest. Like, there was stuff about her that I liked, but I I really reacted badly to her in this episode. I was very annoyed the whole time. I also think it was just incredibly irresponsible to shirk her potential duties in this time and moment, and I don't understand why they let her get away with that without, like, checking up more that she was sick, you know? Like, it was so thin. It was such a thin premise. Have we established how old Kennedy is supposed to be? I, she's made reference to being older than them. I get the feeling that she's 18 or 19. Yeah, they she's, all look 18 she or 19. She, That's the no, problem. oh my God, no, they don't. Those girls look like babies. Some of them are definitely like 16, 15. Maybe some of them, but like some of them is. definitely, yeah. I think Kennedy's the only one that looks older. But yeah, I, she's, she's definitely said something about being the oldest, like about being almost aged out of this at all so I'm not sure how old that makes her but I'd have to say at least 18 also just because you know rules and Willow has to you know she's to be age appropriate so I'm assuming I'm making some assumptions yeah that said I think it was jarring to see Warren come back it was and 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 also I mean let's not forget how traumatic it probably was for Andrew yeah yeah and they kind of let that slide as a joke too you know yeah, I don't. I don't think Andrew gets enough time either. I know we're gonna get an episode dedicated to him down the line too, but I agree. I feel like that was like he just had like a little reaction shot in the background, and it was not very fair to him from yeah. the show's perspective. Yeah, and also, I didn't enjoy I seeing what him. This episode really missed out on, and maybe it's a, a network thing, and they weren't coordinating. But I would have liked to have seen Don answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> from angel calling yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like that was probably more yeah that they like weren't really al- as allowed to talk as much but maybe yeah so no i really disliked also kennedy's like both revelation of and the actual solution to this problem i, I mean again it had very little to do with willow i don't know i wish like willow should have come to that conclusion this is willow's problem this is willow's guilt like having somebody else tell that to you doesn't feel like it would work and it weirdly puts the solution on Kennedy. Yeah, exactly. Like, I would have loved Willow to come to a more internal realization mm-hmm. rather than just getting true love's kiss or whatever. Yeah, it felt oddly reductive at the end. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is, what? <laughs> okay, so yes, on the whole, I did not like but this episode. I will say, did you have, I, I just one more comment. I had slight flashbacks to I Only Have Eyes for You in that final scene where Amy kind of sends them both to what I couldn't figure out if it was supposed to actually be really the middle of the day because I thought it was nighttime before. Right. Um, but she sends them back to the summer's backyard mm-hmm. and they're sort of reenacting in a way the right. scene where Warren shot Buffy and that felt very reminiscent to me of I Only Have Eyes For You where... Buffy and Angel are possessed by those spirits. Oh, right. Yeah. But I guess it's funny that you say that, though, because that really throws into sharp relief how badly this landed, right? Because in that episode, when they finally get to that point where they acted out, it is so cathartic, and it feels so much like, oh, my God, there was no other way to... Like, there's literally only one story that could have made this... Like, it felt inevitable. Like, that exact specific story had to happen to Buffy and Angel in this way that was just so satisfying and, like, so tightly written. And this is completely the opposite of that. Yeah, and then also maybe falling on the same tropes a little bit too much. I mean, I, we didn't even get into that. That, like, yeah, it's not just that Willow looks like Warren. It's that she be, starts to become him. 
I just also, I just don't need to see that scene play out again. I don't need to see, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's because misogyny will be a little bit more of a theme as more as the first kind of takes shape in this season that they maybe felt like that was thematic or foreshadowing, but I didn't think it really added anything to this episode or this season. Agree. It, 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 it really didn't. Um, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. So in conclusion, not so yeah. much. I say, how do we wrap this up? In conclusion, in conclusion. I wish all of this had been done differently or not done at all. <laughs> so yeah. that feels right to you. It was a, it was a misfire. Yeah. I mean, and again, it feels like a lot of the episodes lately have been that way, right? Like kind of almost, it's like, I just kind of wonder if they're trying to do too much because they recognize now, and you know, I was thinking about this, we're halfway through the season, mm-hmm. so they're starting to realize they only have 12 episodes left, so they're really trying to pack it in. Rushing through it, but it's like, maybe this is the time to leave some ideas on the floor. I agree. Know? All right, um, well. All right, well, let's talk about... Uh, salvage. Salvage. At least had more going on for it, I would say. I also had a, like a brief moment where I was like, salvagery? <laughs> like, <laughs> like back to you. Every to episode is just called Calvary now. <laughs> Cavalry. Calvary. Um, whichever one. Yeah. So this episode takes place after Calvary. So everyone has returned to the hotel and they've discovered Angel standing over or pretending Mm-hmm. pretending to drink from Lila. It's really not clear because Lila was killed by Cordelia. Mm-hmm. She was stabbed in the neck and Angel is playing this part of having killed her, um, obviously to just psychologically torture Wesley probably. Yeah. But they discover that Lila is dead and Cordelia has been stabbed. They don't know, obviously, that Cordelia is the one who has killed Lila. And so Angelus escapes and it's pretty clear that at this point, their options are pretty limited. It's full nighttime across LA. Angel's out in the world, or Angelus is out in the world, and they don't really have a lot of recourse. So Wesley goes and decides that he's desperate times call for desperate measures, and he's going to go talk to Faith, who we last saw back in, I believe, season one. Um, turning herself in to the police. So she has been in prison this whole time, and so Wesley goes to talk to her. And, you know, they make a little bit of small talk, and then Wesley says, hey, um, Angelus is back. And Faith decides now's her time to do what she obviously was capable of this whole time Mm -hmm. and break out of prison because Angelus loose on the world is obviously not good. So Wesley basically has broken her out of prison. They drive back to L.A., and... Faith basically takes the lead and says, okay, this is what we're going to do. She meets everybody as Cordelia is the only one she's ever met before um, other than Wesley. And everybody's a little bit in awe. Hey, there's a slayer in town. Connor's a little bit enamored of Faith because she takes charge. She's obviously very (coughs) capable at what she's been brought in to do. And they succeed. So they go out and they track down Angelus, who is with the Beast, and Faith and Angelus fight, and he hurts her pretty badly, or no, she fights the Beast, and then he hurts her pretty badly, but unbeknownst to her, there's been some side action happening where Angelus went to go meet up with the Beast and sees the dagger that was used to kill Lila and kind of speculates that it was actually made from a part of the Beast. 
And so the beast is like, don't touch that. So obviously Angelus being Angelus, he's going to touch it. <laughs> and when Faith is fighting him, Angelus sneaks up behind the beast and stabs him with this spike, which kills him. So the spell is released. The sun comes back. Everybody's super excited. What they don't also know, though, is that Cordelia has been off meeting with the Beast because we do learn definitively that she is this master that the Beast has been talking about the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, they appear to be somewhat romantically involved. I mean, I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so basically um, her plan has not gone to plan, essentially. So the Beast is dead. It's not permanent midnight anymore. That's not what we don't really know what she wanted but that appears to not be what she wanted and she also sees connor sort of drifting his attention drifting a bit to faith so to rein him back in cordelia announces that she is pregnant with his baby Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then she kisses him too Uh, so uh uh-huh that was the thing that happened yes that was the thing that happened it was a Um, thing that happened yeah so so this episode (laughs) Highs and lows for me. I think oh, absolutely. Th- there were On a lot. paper sounds, well, also sounds high and low, but yeah. like, <laughs> mostly horrendous. And I think it was a bit jar- like surprising because I, after last week, I was expecting, okay, this is all downhill from here. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I enjoyed what Faith brought to this. I really did too. Quite I, a I lot. mean, unsurprisingly, I, well, should we do lows and then highs? <laughs> Let's I kind do of like lows we and then should, highs. so Let's that we end on a positive note. Yeah, uh, I think it's mostly the obvious, right? Obviously, Cordelia's nonsense. Um, everything about that story is silly and bad and doesn't make sense to me emotionally was, or plot wise. Yeah. Like it does the low not point narratively. For me, yeah. yeah, throwing up in my mouth. Was yeah, the low point. I like, mean, also, honestly, why I'm... did she kiss the beast? The Connor thing is at least established as, and yeah. I could follow like either why she would do that to manipulate him or why she would do that because God. God only knows what's exactly going through her head or who she is, exactly what's happening here. The Connor thing makes sense to me. The Beast one, that was just gratuitous. Why? I don't understand it. There's no indication up until now that the Beast is serving a master that he's in any way romantic with. And so and why I just would that didn't matter? understand. And also, it was so, so badly done where... She walks up to him and she's like, now, give mama some sugar. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. why did you have to do that? Here, So that's a big part of my, I mean, yes, I definitely in this episode, but honestly for this whole season, uh, we did get an email from Jordan <laughs> disagreeing with some of our points about Angel in general. Uh, I don't think this was the takeaway he meant for me to take from his email, but he did just kind of mention in general how sideline Cordelia is in this whole season. And it's so weird because theoretically, right? she was going to be the big arc for this whole season. So that she gets written out disgracefully halfway through the season, notwithstanding, like she should have really been so much more involved in the whole thing up until this point. But not only have they thrown her to the sidelines a lot, when they do give her lines, they're terrible. I have to say... Not Charisma Carpenter's best work either. I think she, I, I really get What the, is she supposed to work it's with? It's true though, though, but I get the distinct impression that she's phoning it in. For, probably because she was so mad at that. Like, I'm not mad at her, right? Like, fine. You, I don't know. How, you can't sell that line. That's a bad line and it's a bad moment. So like, yeah, what is she supposed to do with it? But I just feel like if you're going to make Cordelia a bad character, write her like old mean girl Cordelia. Like, why are we making her cryptic and weird and whatever? So everything about this, I hate. You know, that's a very good point because I think 
something that really doesn't work with this and that even if this is the direction that they're going as disappointing as it is what really could have made it work is if there are more signals that something is off agreed you know that Cordelia would maybe she would just be mean to everybody or why is she playing this weird game off screen that we don't even notice until the last the end of the last episode and it's like they've sort of been telegraphing a little bit not really though you know who's the master cut to Cordelia but you only notice that after the fact so yeah I would not say that it's obvious there's no buildup or breadcrumbs or anything to signal that this is happening and then so when we see her interacting with the beast we as viewers who of course at this point know way more than any of the characters we don't even know enough to understand why the hell this is happening like yeah why is like what are cordelia's motivations and i'm i know we find out some of them and it's all a bunch of you know bs but yeah it's at this point doesn't make sense it's just like, so just confusing yeah like, <laughs> like what like because trying to figure like, huh? out what is like, going why is she on yeah talking to the beast and then it's like huh why is she kissing the beast and it's almost like they just wrote the cruelest things they could think of it to like make her like have that. to go yeah. through this and then make it this bad i don't know maybe that's not true but it it just it doesn't, doesn't really, have to be this bad it feels fraught it feels like a fraught storyline like this isn't exactly how it's supposed to happen and they are not making it work i i really think this is a bad story to begin with but i yeah so bad. It was bad. It was, it was, I, I hated it. I hated everything about that. I hated everything about Cordelia in this episode, including, including the lines and the acting, which is like, everybody is not doing their best work. Yeah. And poor Connor really poor Connor. just. Yeah. They really turned me around on Connor though. I just feel bad for him. He's just getting so, he, he really hasn't had a chance, <laughs> you know, like raised by a manipulative psychopath in another dimension with a completely incorrect set of beliefs about the world thrown into this world like nothing has gone his way really i don't know sorry one more thought about cordelia i think what is going to what has been bugging me and what is going to bug me retroactively again being that i don't exactly remember what explanation they're going to give for her behavior and how she ended up being the this you know big bad kind of uh is how earnestly they made her behave in the beginning like when she slept with connor it was like really play try they tried i guess because it was unsuccessful is that was that the tip off (laughs) you know that like this didn't work but I just feel like they tried to make her so earnestly like betrayed and go through all these emotions about like coming back and not having her memories and having people lie to her but like why make her that earnest character if she was never that from the beginning I just don't understand how again the logistics of this work who exactly is she right now or what is controlling her to make her behave this way I don't understand how it had that result 10 episodes ago and this result now without seeing anything change. Well, and you're also right that Cordelia 10 episodes ago, and this is what I mean by they're not laying any groundwork. Exactly. Yes. Because Cordelia seemed truly remorseful, like for what happened and that, you know, if, if she, it's all just a trick have to be, (laughs) then why is she having that conversation with Connor about how it was a mistake or in trying to let him down easy? Or why is she horrified that Angel found out that she slept with Connor? Like all of, none of this makes sense. Like was all of this this a trick and a lie? Yeah. Or was was there a turning point and there was absolutely no indication that there was one. I mean, we'll have to keep talking about this as it happens because I genuinely don't remember, but I, I think that's why all of this stuff is so, so frustrating because it's just so, it's so silly and it's so poorly explained. And I, even if we get an explanation, I have a feeling it's not going to make much sense. So that's, but I will say the upside of this is we don't have to see her kiss the beast again because he's 
dead. He's dead. Yeah. Long, yeah. I'm fine. He was okay. I'm not sorry to see him go, though. Yeah. And we still didn't really work out what Angelus was supposed to be doing with him. So No. Um, okay. But I, I think that one very large, long-winded complaint aside, I think I actually liked everything else about this episode. Like, well, Angelus was fine. More, oh, okay. I have one more nitpick. Okay, please. And it, it should be no surprise. It's Angelus. See, okay. Um, I didn't mind not, him. Not the way he's behaving. It's the way everyone's reacting to oh, him. Oh, yes, like and idiots. And there's <laughs> absolutely no basis for it. Because, uh-huh. again, it's, the, it's similar to the first where they're trying to convince us it's this awful, scary demon. Like, Faith's face when Wesley tells her Angelus is back is like, step aside. You know, yeah. it's just like yeah. so overwrought for... It was overwrought. A petty gossip who walks... The worst thing he does is, like, stake another vampire. Like, he walks into a bar and he's like, hey, guys, I'm back. And then they're like, oh, my God, it's Angelus. And it's like, one, how the hell do they know that? And two, like, why wouldn't he just, like, use that as a... No. Like, how do they know it's not Angel? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. And then Hmm. also just, like, he doesn't do anything. He goes and, like, mocks the beast and he's, like, standing around waiting for Faith. But, like, he's... I don't know. I like the only thing he did that I enjoyed was his calling Dawn. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, Oh, is your oh, sister there? No. Okay, never mind. Bye. <laughs> I did like that. I guess I thought he was more fun this episode. Even though you're right now that I'm like looking at it on paper, he didn't really accomplish anything. But I guess even I I think for me, if you're gonna have Angelus in the show, don't stick him in a cage for two full episodes, because that really got on my nerves. So at least here seeing him be his like kind of, you know sarcastic mean guy out in the world out and about was more entertaining to me than having him there just 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 literally gossip with the angel investigations team was like so I do think this is an improvement over what he's been doing even though you're right that this isn't really like is I guess because he's not really the focus of the story right now which is like again why bring him back if he's not going to be the focus of the story but you know whatever agree to disagree I guess with the writers on that one but um I don't know I I enjoyed him killing the beast and I enjoyed his uh, the bit of chaos that he kind of brought to the end of the episode, even though mostly I think it was a deus ex machina kind of thing as to as a way to save faith. I I didn't not believe it. Angelus does whatever he wants, so I I liked seeing him do that at least. I didn't think it was unbelievable. It's just I don't know. He's been kind of boring. No, I I yeah yeah I think you're right. Okay, well let's talk about the good. Uh huh. I mean, Wesley. <laughs> Uh, as oh and lila together why did we kill lila when she was pretty much the only consistently good thing throughout the entire run of the show (laughs) i think she's been good almost since day one now she's dead oh i totally forgot to mention the part where wesley had to chop off her head yeah i love that stuff i think that was great i think it was well deserved i'm really glad i don't know i just is like much as his wife, Alison Hannigan, like, you know, Wesley can really sell a sad scene. He really can. I mean, he was great. And I also really thought he was fantastic in the scene at the prison. Yes. Um, where Faith is like, whoa, what happened to you? And he just kind of has a little smirk of like when she says he like looks good. And yeah. it's just like, it's so twisted because it's like, obviously he doesn't want Faith to be like attracted to him, no. but he's also like, at least yeah, getting some acknowledgement. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least somebody acknowledges this incredible transformation that he's made, not just physically, but mostly physically. Yeah. Yeah. But I really um, but like also that. that he did have the only good idea that they've had this whole time. Which one? Oh, getting faith. faith. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and not just because I watched it recently, but that whole scene with him and the body was very six feet under. I mean, 
that was kind of actually. The whole... I was. It's funny you say that. I was just going to tease you about this being a six feet under. Yeah, crossover. no, it totally was. <laughs> <laughs> They're always in the basement with a body and talking to it. I don't know, but I mean, it, it just felt like a good use of that, you know, tool. I just I. Kind of the way that it's like, I wish we got more answers from Spike and how he's feeling now. Like, I really appreciated getting this insight into the way that Wesley is being racked with guilt for how, you know, for for being involved with Lila and for what, you know, kind of the turn that his life has taken and for what all of it means or doesn't mean for him. I don't know. It just definitely felt like it needed some airing out. Actually, I guess really contrasts with the Willow storyline, which was, you know, she needed something like this. Yeah. His definitely, I think, worked a little bit. A little bit better, but unfortunately hampered down in this episode of nonsense. But um, no, I, I, it's funny because I always sort of question when it's like a show kills off a character and then they spend an episode with like their imagined like presence or ghost or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating to me because, you know, this isn't six feet under. So that's kind of not the premise. And it's frustrating in that you're like, well, why just why kill her in the last episode? Like, if you want to keep her around another episode, like, surely there was a different way to make this happen, but I'm just quibbling with the overall storyline. Well, I mean, I don't think she was a ghost, though. I think that was just... No, 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 not like a real ghost, but like a figment that he's talking to. I mean, I just think it, I think it made sense because it's just Wesley sitting in the basement alone trying to muster up to chop her head off, which was like not an easy task. I think it. Yeah. I think it made sense. I don't feel like that was okay. I guess I just. Tone. I'm mad that they killed Lila. Right. I'm still mad it, that they this killed was Lila. It's like obvious why that was a mistake, but yeah. I mean, also because she's just clearly one of the better actors on the show. <laughs> you know, yeah. so like having her and Wesley together, it's like you're not sitting there being like, why did they, why did someone say that? And I'm sure part of it is the lines, but they're also just so much better at having a conversation on screen <laughs> than a lot of the other characters. So um, well, I forgot that he beheaded her also, though. That's the, that was a bit shocking and like in a good way that I was like, holy, that really landed for me with like how dramatic of a of a resolution that was. I don't know. I thought that just worked really well. Well, I will say as disappointing as the storyline has been, there have been nice dramatic elements. I mean, the end of the last episode was awful, but mm-hmm. it was shocking. Yeah, that's true. I um, guess we'll give them props for that. Positives. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Lila and Wesley were good. I mean, and Faith was great in this episode. I really liked I really liked her whole thing. I liked everything about her being in this episode for the most part. So I will say that when we when you realize, like, where Wesley's going, like, Claire was like, oh, Faith. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it really did bring this jolt of energy that I feel like this show often lacks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just does have a, it has a problem with, like, it's not very high energy, right? Like, it's it's a bit of a, a, like, a depressed show, both in the characters and, like, just the general vibe. So having her on there was, like, a breath of fresh air. And I do have some quibbles about like Faith's personality transplant, but also yeah. maybe she's been, she's in been working for on herself. Years and yeah. like that's, that's what I chalked it up to. And there's also a little bit of tie in with Buffy where we see an attempt on her life with this knife. And I am just now realizing that's probably what it, the tie in was where mm. the, somebody's been paid to kill the, one of the remaining slayers. Like if right, the first is trying to right, wipe right, right. out the slayer line, then they need to kill faith. That's a good point. I, kill faith. Yeah. I, had also I not actually about just that. now yeah. made that connection. Cause I was like, well, they never followed up on who tried to kill her. And I was like, Oh right. Because they're going to do that elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I agree. So, yeah. 
like seeing Faith in her prison environment, obviously she's feared and I don't want to say respected, but the yeah. guards pretty much know like she's only there of her own volition. Yeah. Um, and to see her then come in and just take charge was great to see. And it, you know, it was a nice change of pace. And mm-hmm. to also recognize that Angelus has never met Faith, but he does seem to know to have some legitimate fear mm-hmm. about her. Like, that's the thing that gets his attention. As we see when he says, welcome Faith and all of that, like, Angelus only goes to the trouble for enemies that he is worried about. Right. Uh, no, I agree. And I and I agree with, like, the, the prison scenes were just so high energy that they were really fun. Like, I thought it was a good fight scene to have her, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was a good fight scene. Like I appreciated getting to see somebody and somebody different and in a different setting, you know, kind of go through all of this. I do. I, I think my quibble is really with her breaking out. I don't, I'm just not sure what to make of that with, for like the future of faith of like, she just live on the lamb for the rest of her life now. I mean, I, I guess it's worth it. I agree that this, like, oh, Angelus being the thing that tips her hand when there's been several apocalypses, you know, like, it's just always hard to really have a scale in these shows with, like, what really is the worst thing that could happen because so many terrible things have happened. But that's the, but, that's the thing. That's kind of the point I want to make about Angelus, though, about how the yeah. show is trying to tell us something, but they're not doing a great job of showing it because... Because Faith he's not the villain that right now. She's yeah. heard about the blackout in LA, like it's all in the news, and she's just chilling in prison. But the moment she hears about Angelus, it's time to go. Like that just seems a little bit out of proportion. That I guess just the because beast she seems like a worse foe than Angelus. I guess because she heard about Angelus from Buffy, maybe, and like that at the time was like the worst thing that either of them could imagine or have faced against. I don't know. But I agree. I think that that part was a little bit weak and I'm honestly just sad that Faith had to break out of prison because now she has to live with that hanging over her head. <laughs> I'm like, I just wish I was a sort of cleaner solution, but I actually don't think that's realistic at all. This is the way it would happen. I'm just sad yeah. for her. <laughs> and she has had a bit of a, tr- of, of a personality transplant, but I do feel like the last time that we saw her was her admitting that she needed to change and she needed to pay her dues and she needed to work on herself. So I don't think it's so hard to believe that like, it's not in, honestly, in a better place. It's kind of gratifying to watch that yeah. and think that maybe she did it. I mean, hopefully she has some sort of, you know, therapy resources at the prison. Obviously, we see nothing of that. I'm, like, speculating wildly. But, like, hopefully she's have you know, she is actually getting help. So, yes. that said, yes, no, was it super fun to see her just come in and take charge? It was amazing. And I love seeing Connor get put in his place for once. He's not responded to anybody. And I actually think this makes perfect sense for him. Um, so, yeah, no, but I, like, I love seeing that she's still a tactician and, like, I don't know. I mean, her, her, her slayer skills haven't really been dulled. No, because she's training every yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, on paper, not great, but it did have its moments. I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, it was oh. good because if Buffy can't prop up the experience, then what do we have left? <laughs> yeah, but I have to say, I think the other thing that... Uh, I won't say that it landed so perfectly for me, but I also appreciate that the other reason that faith is getting involved in this is because she wants to save angel because he's the one that saved her. I actually do think that is a good, better reason for her to break out of prison than like, because angel's so jealous. Angelus is so dangerous. And I think you're right. And it's been a long again, time since we've had this that idea story of like, they're just so bad at nailing the things that matter. Yeah, that, exactly. Because like they do Circle mention it, but more. also her reaction when Wesley's like, Angelus is back is not, Oh no, what about angel? It's, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Angelus. Yeah, you're like, right. They that's never the, remember where the, real, mm-hmm, yeah. where the real threads are. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, she's not going to help her friend. It doesn't appear that way until she says it, like, oh, you know. Well, until she backtalked Connor and she was like, if you kill him, I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. I liked that, too. I do really appreciate the aspect of Faith that is, like, willing to do things that Buffy wouldn't be willing to do. Because I never, I never did things. Yeah. I didn't not believe her. I believed her threats. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think Connor does too. Yeah, for sure. Yep. I uh, have three bullet points here that say nope, 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 and nope. That was uh, a <laughs> reaction to Cordelia kissing uh, Connor and telling him that she she's pregnant. <laughs> uh, great insight from me. Yeah, I still think just some shopping bags would have been better. But mm-hmm, agreed. But yeah, here we are. I'm excited to see whatever happens with Faith in the next episode because. You know, I, she's going to be lingering around for kind of this remaining season in some capacity in some show or another. So um, I'm, I don't know. It's I, I never really get to see this part is what I'm saying. I don't know why I'm being cryptic. She's going to end up back on Buffy. But I always never, you know, for so long I had seen Buffy be, and not seen Angel. So, like, it's nice to get that perspective on her before she like, heads back to Sunnydale, before too. Before she just magically shows mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Which is obviously part of the reason why they're writing this also. But... Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Well, I... We're really, I in, a, we're really in a place. Uh. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm obviously much more disappointed in Buffy for not being better. I think even at the low points of season six, like, it was sort of like the lows were so low that they were... I don't know. I guess I'm saying that now. I'm, like, not remembering at all what we said when we recorded the episodes. But, like... Like, Double Meat Palace is a, is a weird, bad episode, but it's weird and bad in this, like, really Buffy way that still made it something. Whereas, like, now, right now, what Buffy's, Buffy the show is flailing, it's, like, it's just leaving me so empty. Like, there's just not, there's nothing there to grasp onto. I'm, like, not sure what points they're trying to make. It's just really disappointing. It is, and especially because there's only 12 episodes left. We don't mm-hmm. have time for them to have a miss. Exactly. So, well, let's hope next week is better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do we have coming up? Next week is called First Date. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I think that'll be interesting. Yep. And then what do we have on Angel? Release. Release. <laughs> I don't like well, the way that sounds. <laughs> geez. Uh, it's another winner of a title yeah. right there. <laughs> hmm. uh. All right, well, hopefully the conversation will be a little more happy about that one. We said um, a lot of nice things about Angel today. We did, yes, but not Buffy. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, someday they'll both fire on both. It was inevitable for things to flip-flop. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, do you have any pop culture you want to talk about today? Oh, my God, yes, I almost forgot. Uh, not a recommendation because it's already happened and you can't do it. But, um, I went to a Buffy themed burlesque oh show gosh, this weekend. Oh my that's right. Uh, honestly, I had a great time. It was very, um. You were worried. I was worried. I have this lingering memory of not enjoying burlesque shows and I'm not going to like go hard on them or anything now, but I, oddly, I feel like having a nerd theme made it a lot more approachable of like the humor was more evident to me than just sitting there feeling like, what am I supposed to be into this or am I not? Or is that a joke or is it not? Like, I don't know. It's just having the framework of Buffy made it a lot more digestible. Um, I mean, it was still a weird thing to go to, but um, it it was a pretty low production. It was like in the Lower East Side in this like really small, pretty rundown theater. Um, But like people were really into it. And it's like clearly 
you know, you don't get involved in a Buffy theme burlesque show unless for the most part you're like a pre- pretty hardcore fan. So I don't know. It was fun. Um, God, what were the best? Spike was the best, obviously. Uh, the guy who was like doing, I mean, not every act was explicitly Buffy narrative. Like the first girl was just dressed like a vamp, like just had like a vampire aesthetic going on. And so there was some kind of like looser themes, but the guy who like the MC for the night was dressed as Spike and he did a performance as Spike and it was, it was very fun and very funny. Um, and then there was a girl who did an Anya routine and she first of all looked a lot like Emma Caulfield, but she was my favorite. She, I think her burlesque was the worst, but she had just spot on, um, costumes and she just did it to the song. The, um, I will be his Mrs. song. And like, oh. still that song got to me. And so I was like, okay, even in the context of like, you're in a weird rundown theater, in the lower East side watching Buffy burlesque, like that song is still emotionally resonant. So like a plus song <laughs> anyway, but I just like, she had the outfit that she wears in uh, once more with feeling. And then she also had the little like red slip outfit that she wears in once more with feeling. So it was a lot of effort. Um, and then there was like a Buffy. Yeah. Now I'm just explaining all of the show, but it was, it was very fun. And also it was called Buffy and the buff, which is just like a pretty good tagline. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, no regrets. It was also not expensive. That's always a plus. Yeah. How about you? Um, I don't really have anything. Um, I started watching the new season of the crown, but I don't really have Mm. thoughts on it yet. Except Helena Bonham Carter is great. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, what? team are you on this hmm. week? It's a toss-up. Yeah. I gotta go Team Wesley. Yeah. Because he just I, did the hard thing and he just, you know, he got me. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm really struggling. I, yeah, I, I think I'm going to give the edge to Faith. I think that's fair. I wanted both yeah. of them to have a vote. <laughs> <laughs> I know these mean nothing, but that's, I'm glad. <laughs> well, then it's a tie. Yeah. <laughs> I think Faith and, and Wesley were the clear standouts this week. Absolutely. Which I think only speaks to the quality of the Angel episode over Buffy. So. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. yeah. There's not always a correlation between those things, <clears throat> but mm, yeah. Sometimes, T- yeah. Today there was. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll be back next time for release and first date. Yep. All not right. in that order. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.